Hello there, I'm Paul Mitchell, speaker and author and founder of The Human Enterprise. Welcome to Enterprise Radio, where we interview transformational leaders from business, the community, sport and the arts. Well, today you'll be listening to Jan Pakis, who's the MD and CEO of Filthy Australia, who are distributors of high-end, really top-class premium power tools and fasteners. And power, and the word power is right on the money. Can you remember the song, Power to the People? Power to the people. Well, that is exactly what Jan has done in Hilti Australia. He's really given power to the people. You're going to hear how he's achieved some of the best organisational engagement I've ever heard of, not just in Australia, but worldwide. You'll hear how he's made the vision come to life. You'll hear how he's created a sense of ownership at every level. You'll hear about the importance of milestones, celebration, how investing in leadership is absolutely vital to engagement and performance, that a growth mindset is for everyone, not just people at the top, and how it's, it's not logic that drives performance, um, but that engagement is, a, is an emotion, it's not just a number. So time to get out your iPad or a pen and paper and take down some great ideas to help you be the best leader you can be and truly create the human enterprise in your organisation. Let's now listen to the wisdom of Jan Pakis. Well, hi Jan, welcome to Enterprise Radio and thank you for your time today. Thank you for your time and uh, very more welcome to all our listeners. And I'm, I'm in awe of what you've achieved in the last five <laughs> years, but... Uh, many of our listeners may not know that. So I'm wondering if you could tell them what your role is, um, what your business is about, what Hilti's about, and how you really add value to your customers. Sure. So uh, I'm a CEO and Managing Director of Hilti Australia. We're a Swiss multinational with uh, roughly 23,000 people worldwide. And today we'll have uh, close to 400 employees in Australia. Uh, what do we do? We basically make uh, premium high-end power tools and fasten technology. Our customers would be different trades from construction, lift, electrician companies towards really small tradies and small consumers. The brand would be really known for its highest quality and highest service delivery model. Now, it's a very, very intensive people business model, right? Because 80 or 90% of our workforce here in Australia work in sales and marketing. So an excellent service is a very, very important model how to really deliver great value to our customers. And uh, I think that's where really having a, a highly capable but also highly motivated workforce is, is so important for us. And that's where really we put people first. And uh, we know that actually if people are happy and if people are capable, then business flies. So it's a great, I mean, we know that lesson, but just a great one. Again, if your people are happy, if they're engaged, if they're motivated, and because it is such a service-based business, uh, then th that's going to flow on to the customers. So uh, we, we need to get this out straight away. I'm very impressed with you winning uh, a particular award, I think five consecutive years in a row. And you wouldn't think a business like this would be maybe that interested perhaps in that people side. So tell us about that. And you, it's brag time. It's okay to brag. <laughs> yeah, so we're... We were humbled, you know, we were five times in a year, uh, Aon Hewitt, uh, Best Employee in Australia, including Best of the Best. Best of the Best means uh, we're number one in Australia. We've beaten some of the very heavy tech companies like Microsoft and so on. You can't buy anything like that, right? You really, no. 
uh, you know, the results, some of the results that we had is uh, 94% of all our employees had said that absolutely uh, strongly behind the company vision and strategy. And that's great, right? I mean, if you think that uh, how do you really create value and how do you create also then financial shareholder value? Yeah. It starts with uh, the, the thousands and thousands of contacts that we have every day, whether it's in the direct sales force, in our retail teams and so on. Because these these uh, these discussions then have a strong influence uh, over our customers, also feeling that people are behind the brand and that we're delivering a great service, and that at the end they also then delivers really also great financial results. So that you know that uh, formula that works for some businesses, that a motivated workforce drives customer satisfaction yes. and drives at the end of the day also financial results, absolutely works for us. And I, that just for our listeners, is, I mean. People would work often for years to, to, to be in that top 10, top 20 of Hewitt. But to be best of the best and to be knocking off some of the larger organisations is really quite something. There must have been many, many uh, reasons for that happen and many, many people. But are there a couple of almost consistent messages and things that you did uh, again and again and again, not just to get that number, because sure. it's not just about the number, it's about the feeling about being here. Is there any particular yeah. one or two, three things that come to mind? <laughs> yeah, look, there's many things. And I think every every organization has its different challenges. I think there's nothing really that you can take, do one thing, and it works absolutely uh, the same everywhere, right? you got to always put it in the context of what is needed, what are the challenges of that uh, local workforce that you have. Look, what worked for us well is a few things. Firstly, we really did, we had and we constructed a great vision in terms of where we wanted to be. It was very exciting, but I think what we did also pretty well is we really emotionalized that. We emotionalized mm-hmm. that picture that we constantly communicated to everybody yeah. and that then really became you know, a thing that everybody was trying for, a thing that actually every person could see herself or himself, you know, being a part of that, being, you know, how do I contribute towards that big goal that is exciting? And sometimes, you know, about a vision strategy, it's it's you, you come up with lots of Excel tables, lots of numbers, and so which we yes. no doubt had as well. It's very, very important to have a certain substance. But what is equally important is to then really emotionalize that and uh, create something compelling that mm. uh, people absolutely want to be part of and that uh, you know whenever you give company updates they simply feel that whatever they do they're part of this vision and this is how they can help so let's look at that one i mean that's a that's a great starting point and i think you there's a lot of nuances of what you've just said so many times leaders have these incredible strategic plans and their numbers and their graphs and things but i love your word you emotionalized it you made it come to life you uh, tapped into what we call the limbic system in the brain, not just the <laughs> neocortex. And you also, by the sound of it, uh, got people to realise how they played a part, how they were actually a part of it and not just the number. How did you emotionalise it? I'll expand that one for you. Yeah, so we, I mean, again, we had a we had a big team uh, working on it. So it wasn't a top management exercise only. We had uh, uh, people from different departments contributing to that, which is important because then you're going to get a lot of ownership. How did we emotionalise it? We the whole strategy and the whole vision was summarized in one picture. One slide and one picture consisting of the elements of what we want to achieve, consisting of a, you know, we, we said we want to paint Australia red because our brand color is red. <laughs> so what we want to see across all of Australia is only red toolboxes. 
and then of course we had elements of you know we had a, we had a picture of a house that had six that consisted of six elements that oof was an amazingly satisfied customer you know and 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 thousands of customers you know happily holding a heel to the tool and the basement of the house was a strong culture and an amazingly uh, engaged sales team and so on and and you really and then the different elements were the different parts of the house and and I think you know what it did is a it made absolutely everybody really understand what the company wants and what is important but b what it also did is everybody really saw themselves playing a role in it somewhere in that house yeah. somewhere in the house right and you then gave a company update where you provided mm. you know three four slides with the numbers but you always linked it towards how we're tracking in the element and how we're tracking the element. Did you paint the town red, not just Australia red when you celebrated? I would have Yes, I yes. It's it's also of course look, you gotta then celebrate big because mm. if you achieve a certain milestone, and again we had lots of sub milestones, one of the milestones is we wanted to become Australia's best employer. We did that in the first year, which is amazing. Of course mm. you want to have a big celebration. We wanted to uh, really uh, smash a few milestones when it comes down to revenues. Again, we celebrated big way because it's important that people really feel part of that, that uh, you use any opportunity that you can have to simply, you know, reward progress and uh, and reward uh, uh, the different departments and different contributions so that actually people own that as well. So you had, and I love what you said earlier on, that no one size is going to fit all. You obviously looked at the context, you looked at what was required, you painted, and it really is painting a vision. Uh, in your case, it was a it was a rev one of a painting Australia red. You emotionalised it, loved the picture, had all the various elements uh, where people knew they could fit it, and the whole concept of celebrating and knowing the milestones along the way and rewarding them. Were there other key things you think that led to uh, such a great result and such a fantastic culture? Sure. So look, that's that's a, uh, having a great vision and a line organisation is a great start. One. You know, what we achieved also there, just to finish off on that one, we had actually, we smashed the Australian record. That's what you had told us. 90, I think, 5% of employees absolutely strongly believed and were willing to do the utmost for our company vision, which is amazing, right? If you have such absolutely. a big team behind you. Yeah. Now, the other thing, what you clearly need to then, again, there's lots of things, is you've got to have great management capability to drive the change and to drive capability and uh, and best performance in the workforce. And it sounds easy, but it's not easy, right? Because no, uh, yes, you spend as a, as a leadership team, you know, the seven or eight of us, we spend a year together in terms of defining absolute clarity, where do we want to be? But then you got to, every next management layer has to become equally competent and equally engaged behind it, you know, to be able to deal with the challenges and setbacks that no doubt appear in our business and appear in any business, right? Mm. We don't live in a perfect world. We are not perfect. So you got to have the next and next management layer equally capable and equally engaged yes. behind driving that change in behavior and driving that special performance. And so what we did is we massively invested into management capability, constantly, almost, you know, repetitively three times a year management workshop. How do we drive uh, you know our values how do we drive uh, succession planning how do we drive uh, uh, leadership capabilities for again for many many people that was their first leadership role so we really made management and leadership capability a big priority in our right. business because right. in our business model and i'm going to say in some other business models might not matter as much in our business model we're vital. 
Correct. Absolute vital in a in a airline hotel chain where really people are a big on one hand cost block but yep. also a big asset. I think it's absolutely vital, right? Because you're delivering then that end experience to customers or consumers. So mm. so we made management capability a big priority. I think it's uh, it's a great reminder to all of us. It doesn't matter what the the board or the senior leadership think unless you've got that that real passion and that capability not just passion but real skills at every level it's going to fall short and and you've got to put your money where your mouth is and you did that by the massive investment in building capability at every level there so um we've gone straight into what you've done here because it's so exciting but uh no doubt, Jan, you've had an exciting career along the way too. Give us a bit of a feel of, because uh, uh, obviously our listeners will pick up, there's an accent there. That's uh, right. So give us a bit of a feel about your background as, as a leader today. Yes. <laughs> a uh, proud holder also from the Australian passport. But, well done. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's only the last passport that I would have picked up. And uh, before that, uh, you know, also Czech and a German passport. So uh, I was born in Prague. Uh, in uh, a family of German parents, spent some time in Czech, in Germany, had then a global role in Switzerland for Hilti, where I was looking after a billion Swiss francs uh, business unit globally, and then got the luckiest uh, job in the world, you know, where <laughs> lots of my colleagues, you know, uh, line up for. I say envy to come to Australia. Absolutely, yeah. and everybody, you know, and lots of, uh, 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 yeah, envious uh, uh, comments because uh, you're far away from headquarters, but uh, at the same time you live in the most beautiful uh, place on earth, right? Nirvana, absolutely, yeah. And and look, I you know I think it's always like for many multinationals, you know, you typically get to stay here for three, four years, and then are being groomed for a, a bigger role internationally, which has also been the case with me. But I successfully resisted some of the opportunities that came up because uh, simply that's uh, also what happens in life. Sometimes you yeah. just uh, fell, fall in love with the country, which which we did, and uh, so we want to stay here and our future is here. It's, uh, it's a pattern we often see with a lot of expats coming over here, uh, particularly the family. Uh, if, they, if they settle in, it's uh, very hard to actually leave. And, uh, and uh, with that track record too, it, uh, <laughs> um, I'd say you'd be a pretty hot commodity there. So with that, with that depth of leadership, I guess the global leadership and now working here, working for International, have you worked out, I guess, your brand? We, we talk a lot about, you know, leaders need to know what they stand for and mm. their brand. Is there a particular style of leadership that's, that sits with you? Uh, that's a good question. Look, I think, first and foremost, I think, you know, any leader, you're, 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 we're all different. And I think what is important, you shouldn't try to be somebody else who you're not. So I think you should try to really be authentic because people pick up on it. And uh, and I'm very relaxed and very authentic about who I am because that's, I think, you know, with that authenticity, uh, it gives you credibility and people simply trust you. Uh, if if you asked, you know, in our workforce and if, if uh, you were reading some of the uh, 360 surveys that uh, we also do, you know, about myself, people probably would tell you that, hey, I'm very visionary and capable to really rely a team behind me and behind the company's goals. So, you know, that really, it absolutely appeals to them and that they that they feel that actually, yes, while they're putting in lots of effort, they actually don't feel that it's a lot of effort because they just like what they do. They're committed. They're committed, uh, right? Yeah. I think, and it's that's very, I think it's, it's very unique and, and it's a great company asset if you have that culture in, in the company. 
I think that's probably one thing. I think the other thing that they would probably tell you is, uh, you know, I'm trying to balance on one hand a very high ambition and a high uh, performance culture, mm. but at the same time trying to marry, marry that with a high engagement culture. Right. I, I, I don't think you can have only one where it's pure performance only and people don't matter because, yes, short term you get results, but long term you don't get loyalty, don't get the right commitment. On the other hand, if you have great engagement, people first, with no accountability, mm. that's also dangerous, right? Because yeah. you, you might create a false perception about what the business is about. So I think, you know, I'm always, people probably will tell you that, yes, I'm very uh, engaging on one hand, but also then very demanding and expect high standards, mm. right? And it's, a, it's such a balance, isn't it? What they call that tension of opposites, uh, rather than one or the other. How do you have a, a very highly motivated, engaging workforce and expect a, a certain level of performance from them? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And look, lots of lots of uh, you know, lots of uh, mistakes or lots of what's the word? You know, uh, lots of uh, uh, opposite traits. Help me. Well, we could call them stuff-ups. We yes, could call them lots of stuff-ups, right? absolutely right. It's not the most patient person in the world, you know, and... Uh, oh, you mean for in terms of your personal but, yeah, vulnerabilities or... Yes. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so one of the couple of things, so the authenticity, very important. We have a saying uh, from one of our programs, why should anyone be led by you? And that's be yourself, you know, everyone else is taken. Um, and to be yourself. <laughs> I like it, that's great. And right. the other one, of course, that builds credibility. And uh, the other point you made too is the sort of the, the visionary aspect in getting the whole team behind, behind the goals. But you're also doing that, you're simultaneously pushing for great outcomes and better, better performance, but getting that in- engagement piece happening as well. How do you walk that tightrope at times? You know, how do you walk that tightrope? Getting close to your people, yep. but not that close that you can't say, hey, we can do better than this, versus uh, being relaxed with them at times and just joining in that, that spirit of comradeship. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think, again, it comes very uh, naturally, I'd say, because this is simply how I think about business, right? You, on one hand, have have huge ambitions, and we have clear structures behind some of the milestones. We have our monthly meetings. We have different committees where you always push for the best. You always, you know, well, we achieved this. And I ask fundamentally always the question, can we achieve, what do we need, guys, to do better? What do we need to do better? And, yes. and constantly, and people know it and sometimes joke about it, Right, but I think it sets the bar, and it also then sets an example for the next layers of management team. So that's on one hand. On the other hand, I think you gotta also know that uh, uh, people simply wanna have sometimes fun. I wanna uh, be in a relaxed environment. So of course, you know, we also have our Christmas parties, and once in a year, a big company come together where we communicate on one hand strategy, but on the other hand, we also make it a, for instance, what we did this year is a big talent show, right? Where, where you're always surprised how much talent there is. So what did you go as or what did you do? Go? Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know. I want to share this. Look, we... we <laughs> We're on to something here, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we, we, we did it and it was a voluntary effort where yeah. any team could do any act, yeah. a dance act, you know, or sing a song or something. And we also, as a management team, wanted to do it because, you know, we want to lead by example. So uh, we, as a management team, did a uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Ah, uh, fantastic. Uh, 
quick three minute dance but hey let me say you know just getting into that uh, these outfits which oh my goodness <laughs> you get on Oxford, Oxford Street uh, was unforgettable fun so now we have the secret of a 94% yeah. <laughs> engagement five years best in a row get your management team to dress up for the various characters that pursue in the desert I think listen honestly I think you know if you didn't have the right culture you couldn't do it yeah. because people yeah. would uh, would think that you're crazy yeah but I think, you know, given that we did that, actually, people really had even a higher respect for us as a leadership team. And Absolutely. the fact, you know, how yeah. just how much talent you have across the workforce and mm. how much just fun and bonding that it creates at such a night, it's absolutely amazing. Well, it's uh, Rudyard Kipling, a poet, used to say, and walk with kings and all lose the common touch. And what you've done there is uh, you've opened up, you're showing that you're human. The other thing I really love, which is a great one for listeners, is that uh, what can we do better? Uh, that question in itself it, it says, hey, we're doing a great job, but how could we do, do it better? And I, I guess that seems to be a constant theme through everything that you're actually doing here. So um, uh, what uh, do you do when you talk about getting better? How do you continue to get better? Because obviously the pace of the leader, the pace of the pack. What do you do to continually you know, update yourself with the latest ideas and strategy, leadership, and I guess the industry itself? Sure. Yeah, I think it, it's really a philosophy about how you think about uh, constant learning and evolving and and uh, what uh, Professor Carol Dweck says, having a growth mindset. Growth mindset, mindset. Yeah. Exactly right. And and I think it's very, very important. Also, you know, if I, again, go back in terms of how we're hiring, what are the hiring criteria people, sometimes we have equally capable people, but we always prioritize then that growth mindset, that right attitude, even if, if somebody might be maybe in skills 10% behind the other candidate, mm. I think having the right attitude and having the right learn learn and grow attitude is very, very important, right? Because yes, the world is changing and it's not about what you know today, but it's more about, you know, how eager are you to learn and embrace new things yes. and simply deal with any new situation, right? So I think that's that's more as a principle thinking again. What, what does it mean for me? I'm a member of uh, two actually or three different CEO groups where no doubt, you know, there's lots of great access to the latest thinking resources, you know, uh, connections, networks and and uh, and discussions. And on top of that, I always manage to go once a year for at least a week. I mean, last year I went for two months because a long program, you know, an advanced management program at Stanford, uh, yeah. uh, Stanford GSB. Yes, yes, of course. You know, Stanford executive programs yes. like the Harvard yeah. uh, AMP, yeah. equivalent to that, yeah. where it... Uh, allows you really deeper to reflect mm. where's the world where's your business what are the challenges of your business model and also of course a personal reflection right and I always you know although it's hard work you always come back so uh, uh pumped up and energized because you just uh, see what is possible right and, no, and i love what it can you, be achieved. You, you talk about that vision and i love the fact that you've got principles there the principles hire people with a growth mindset i mean uh, see how eager they are, even if they may not have all the capability and skills, if they've got that, that edge in terms of growth mindset over someone who um, you know, may be a little bit further ahead in skills and capability but just doesn't have that, they're the ones that you go for. And uh, embracing new things and the fact that you're also you know, make, making sure you're, you're getting input from different sources so it's not just your own way of looking at things. Um, that, that must mean that you get very busy. As a leader, how do you manage your time any uh, tips or techniques on how you manage your time and how i guess you get some balance in your own life too so that you're still engaged because pace of the leader pace of the pack 
It is, and it uh, it'll never be different. It's it's an illusion to think, and I've heard that so many times. Well, this year was a busy one, but next year will be better. Which <laughs> <laughs> you might have heard as well. Yeah. Hey, I think it's what I've worked for myself, and that's. Uh, it might sound funny or silly. I actually printed out the sheet and what I put on that sheet is there's four elements that are really important, you know, how you can be very productive yeah. and how you actually can retain the balance. And I try to really stick to these four principles. And one is you got to have good sleep. you got to eat well uh, so that your brain and your body is able to function at your best, you know, and got to limit alcohol, obviously. Uh, you got to exercise at least twice a week and you got to uh, take at least a... a, a once or twice a week, uh, uh, 10 minutes of uh, mindfulness session. And actually, mm-hmm. if if you're able to squeeze that in, that uh, yes, obviously there are days you know, where, where it doesn't work out, but as a principle to how you live your week, it, uh, at least for my end, you know, it makes me much more energized every day. I don't wake up tired, you know, yes, the, the days are long, the days are busy, but uh, I think it's important that you have a healthy, I think healthy fantastic. mind and healthy body. Yeah. That's one thing. Look, the second thing is uh, sometimes, yes, the weeks are long, but I'm trying to limit work over the weekend. And if I have to, I push it back towards Sunday evening that I really have the two days with my wife and with my friends and simply you reset in terms of what you're doing, right? And, and look, yeah, life with executives or CEOs is busy, but uh, I think that's my... Way of doing Learning it. or way of doing it, right? And uh, is that um, infiltrated through the business? I mean, if you think about, you know, let's get good sleep, let's eat well, uh, limit the alcohol, um, exercise at least a couple of times a week. And I love the whole idea of just the mindfulness so that you yep. can see things better in a still pond. Do you uh, emphasize that with the rest of the team here? The we do. The we do. We're big on uh, flexible work arrangements. We're big on uh, you know uh, exercising and also promoting that and and uh, and uh, subsidizing it as a company, sponsoring lots of different things. Uh, you know, we had recently a leadership consultant, you know, doing a, a talk with our company, staying overnight, and he said, "Wow, I'm impressed." You know, most of the companies actually by now. All people would be drunk and under yeah. the table and actually you guys are having just a very very nice conversation and you guys are up tomorrow at, you know we always put in uh, personal trainers at like 6 30 before the meeting and lots of people actually take that option really that they exercise before breakfast so uh yeah i think we're trying to lead by example and and uh, i think it's important again right to have a oh, yeah, successful yes. and and uh, high performing team you you want to also live healthy I can't uh, recall the number of times I may have done a session and the next day everyone's been on the on the grog a bit and uh, not had that sense of responsibility too and therefore, you know, not possibly performing at their best on a two or three day conference and uh, the fact that they can have those great conversations. Tremendous. What about, you talked before about being authentic and obviously you have the energy here that's clearly comes through uh, <laughs> listeners uh, in, in talking with Yam. Uh, one of the things about being authentic is to own up to those vulnerabilities, those mm-hmm. areas of what we call allowable weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you'd prepare to share what a few of those are and how you go about either managing them, controlling them, or not letting them get in the way of great performance. Sure. Look, we all have lots of weaknesses, and I'm absolutely no exception, right? And uh, I think it's a journey that I had to learn. That I thought, you know, I was also given the role, you know, six years ago when I was still pretty young. And of course, you have that self-pressure like lots of lots of people have maybe at that age that actually, well, you have to 
be perfect. You have to deliver at your best. You can't say if you don't know the answer that you don't know the answer. And I realized over time, and also thanks to the help of a great coach, that it's completely wrong, right? That it's perfectly acceptable if you simply say that you don't know, that you say that you don't know. Mm. And that it's perfectly acceptable that actually if you sometimes stuff up, that uh, you just say, you know what, guys, really sorry. It's absolutely my mistake. Because uh, A, people see it anyway, but B, I think it, uh, it, it again helps you to get credibility. So look, what are my... Weaknesses, there's many, there's many, right? And uh, sometimes I speak too fast, jump over people. Not, I'd like to think intentionally, but because simply sometimes you're very passionate and very... Uh, and you, I can imagine you doing that with no intention. Uh, no, no <laughs> you picked it up in the 15 minutes already? <laughs> thank but you. because of the passion. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Uh, well, it's, you know, sometimes your strength is your biggest weakness, right? Yes. Yeah. The other thing, yeah, clearly then uh, uh, patience, right? Clearly not my strength and I'm learning and I'm learning and I'm learning, but uh, sometimes not my, not sometimes, very often not my strength and some people gave me the feedback, you're driving me slightly crazy right because uh, because uh, you asked that question already last week and I think this is where I had to learn right also I think the having to live with compromises and uh, being completely at ease with that right I think the the bigger the role the bigger the responsibility you gotta live with mm. trade-offs and yes. you gotta live with compromises and you gotta be completely okay with that because perfection in all parts of business doesn't exist yeah and i think that's again been or is a a journey for me to to you know i uh, guess with those high be, oh, those high standards correct right, to the, be at yeah. ease right mm-hmm. and uh so there's many many things and uh i think uh look, we do once a year we do a 360 session where uh we as a management team uh, uh provide mutual feedback and then actually share that 360 chart and all the comments with all of the others right and that for the first time when we did that that was a pretty daunting experience right because you might get some of the oh well now i have an opportunity to tell you and smash you and so on and so on and i think again for you as as the leader you have to be leading by example that actually if you want to create a safe environment Mm -hmm. for people where they safely can speak about you know where they're concerned and where they're struggling then you, you want to be leading by example as well, right? So I have shared or do share always my findings, say, you know what, I'm really struggling with this, guys. So I don't know how to deal with that. And I think that creates, hopefully, the environment where, where other it's, executives also feel comfortable about sharing their challenges. Sharing their own. I mean, uh, Deming, who was one of the founders of Quality, said that the one of the number one jobs of a leader is to drive out fear. And once you have that, you can start having those conversations. What I also like about what you're saying is, uh, you know, when there is a stuff up, you fess up. But the other thing you're doing is getting not just the 360 feedback, which might be, a, you know, a yearly or a bi-yearly thing. It sounds like you're getting constant feedback and you've created an environment where people can say, hey, you're going a bit too fast here, pushing a bit too strong. And you can take that feedback one way or other, but you're open to it and people feel comfortable saying it. I think that's the thing that you've created here. We're trying. Yeah. yeah. So with all that happening, uh, there's uh, going broader now, a bit more global, uh, there's 
some that are pessimistic, some that are optimistic, some that are not sure. But there are a lot of things happening in the world. We've got obviously quantitative easing still happening. We've got the, the, the situation with China, not really mm. knowing what the growth rates are going to be there. Mm. Um, we've got uh, the RBA every month uh, holding on whether or not the interest rates are going to change. Mm. Um, irrespective of where you see the economy going, what do you think are the biggest challenges that leaders face in Asia Pacific today that they really need to be on top of? Mm. Asia Pacific. Yeah, look, oh, that, could, that would be another <laughs> one-hour interview. Yeah, yeah. You have global trends that are changing the world. And these global trends are digitization that, are, that is disrupting so many established business models and, and, uh, and uh, challenging some of the businesses with very, very high margins. You have an aging population where it's a big strain for governments, but also companies where, again, you know, baby born today has a 70% likelihood to live until 100 years. And if mm. you think that really through in terms of what does it mean, how you construct mm. a company and yeah. a career, it is it is interesting, right? And you have, uh, uh, in Asia Pac, you have a lot of urbanization and, uh, and uh, of course, a big uncertainty with, uh, with China. So I think it's, uh, it's a very interesting time that we're living in. I think look, from a leadership style, I actually think, you know, more than ever, you've got to be on one hand, you've got to have a very long term view where you're aware of these trends and where you're aware of what's the long term sustainable competitive advantage of your company. But at the same time, more than ever and much more than ever, I think you've got to be also very short term and, and, and able to zoom in immediately and respond very, very quickly in a very agile way if it means to completely, you know, move resources from one department to another one because simply business, the business world has massively accelerated. Yes. So I think uh, uh, it's, uh, it's combining that on one hand long-term view where you mm. see the trends yeah. with, a, uh, with a short-term bias for action mm. is probably what I... I think observe and also speaking to lots of CEOs yes. is, uh, is probably a new uh, quality or capability that you as a, as a leader have to develop. Absolutely vital and all throughout obviously this interview you've talked about that vision but just as important is to be able to keep your eye on the tactical level as well and of course the way you've said you're doing that is to, to remain agile to remain flexible, to be able to jump at any time. Okay. Do you feel you've got that, that sense of agility in this business as well? Do people get that sense of flexibility and agility? Do you look for people you can yep. see have that? Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But look, it's sometimes not easy, right? right. Because you're you're not a 30-people business where uh, it's all uh, driven from the founder. You're, uh, uh, we have presence uh, in all the states and it's uh, different management layers. So we look for it. I think, you know, uh, as a multinational, again, there's a, there's a few limitations. We have global systems and global structures, but at the same time, I think we have enough freedom to act and, and take decisions locally here. But uh, yeah, look, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes, you know, you absolutely clearly see the case, but you also gotta take uh, your people on the journey. And uh, sometimes it just happens slower 
than uh, than uh, you'd like it to be. Or well, particularly with, with with yourself, whom you've admitted that, uh, yes. that, that impatience <laughs> that you... Uh, You're actually a really good listener. <laughs> so um, I guess there's many things that uh, we'd like to be remembered for as leaders and without having ego or hubris attached to it, uh, it's great to be able to leave your mark on a place. You know, when you leave <laughs> a place or when you move on and... Um, in, in that moving, and we all move on from time to time, what would be the thing that you'd like to think that, uh, what's been your stamp on Hilti Australia? Hmm. Uh, look, it's probably, you know, uh, thinking about that right now, it's not the business achievements because you might not remember, you know, in five years, what exactly was the growth in one particular year, what exactly was the margin improvement, what exactly was this and that. I think what really remains with you and what what uh, what sticks with you is some of the people's destinies that uh, you had that you a touched, yeah. that you touched mm. that you shaped you know the careers that actually then resulted in lots of Australians having an international career the stories that actually you see you know we had one uh, young lady who joined us you know in their early twenties very very shy and not enough confidence and today you know five years later she's cfo of hilti china and you know she's up for potentially a much bigger role and you know you know you're part of that right that that the numerous conversations that you've had and then also the the journey that you've influenced and encouraged her this is i think what really makes you proud and this is then what sticks with you over the years right and the same you know some of the culture that we have created some of those special special emotional moments that are so memorable They'll stay with you for a very long time. I really, really want our listeners to maybe go back and and replay that section because, like any great leader, and he'd probably be embarrassed if I was, if I sort of seem smiling now, <laughs> is that think about that. Yes, it's the business results, but they're a given. It's the people that you've grown, the people that you've influenced, the the destinies that you've touched, the lives that you've touched, and with that example of the uh, the CEO of China. And if, if you think about that, if we keep doing that as leaders, keep developing our people, we are going to get those engagement scores, we're going to get people energised, we're going to get the satisfaction from our customers, and we're going to build what we call a truly human enterprise. Yep. So it's interesting that you have all those qualities, and what's also interesting, listeners, at the beginning of this conversation, and I didn't know this beforehand, um, that Jan shared with me, because uh, we often ask what's next, so I'm going to ask Jan what's next for him, and he might want to tell you what he's doing and why he's doing it in the interest of transparency here. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks very much. We've been here for a bit over six years in Australia in the same role, and I love what I do. And uh, I think the re- the conclusion that we reached with my wife is we really long-term want to stay and live in Australia. We want to live here. We want to die here one day. And <laughs> so uh, uh, we said no to a bigger job, no to a global career. So we're going to stay here. And the question then for me was really, what's next? And sometimes you get, you go through that process of, of thinking, you know, what really, what could be interesting. And that, that's also uh, what I've been going through. And uh, look, for me, what's important is really doing something that I'm deeply and deeply passionate about, right? It's the why behind the what you're doing. And if, I, uh, if I'm honest with myself, what am I passionate about? I am passionate about great people practices. And I am also certainly comes through, yeah. <laughs> and I'm also very passionate about technology, right? I started a first technology startup two years ago in a non-executive role where I hired a CEO. It's going really well. It's a field that I'm deeply passionate about. I, I studied also in Stanford, you know, and have a connection to that. And and I think the 
time is right to redefine HR as it stands and, and really create something that will significantly help to hopefully uh, provide more happy workplaces, you know, and make the job and the life of uh, the HR director significantly easier. And so if there's anyone, listeners, that can do that, <laughs> I think with five best employed in a way, in a row, you, you've got some credibility to do that. So this is great. So the why for this is to really um, almost reinvent uh, the whole HR practices in, in in Australia. How will you, and beyond, I would think globally, how will you be doing that? What's the role that you're going to be doing? Yeah, so see, now I could give you a sales pitch of our new company. but You can uh, go for it. Our listeners, <laughs> our, well, our listeners would like to know. I guess many of them sure. are involved with HR systems sure, and, sure, sure. And, and would like to be able to capture some of the... Uh, uh, the essence that you have here. Yeah, so look, in, in three minutes, we I've co-founded uh, and will be a joint managing director a new company, a technology company uh, that is called Flare, F-L-A-R-E, flarehr.com. And uh, we have big ambitions, right? And what are we doing is we have created a beautiful all-in-one cloud-based HR platform. What you typically find, you'd find one system for payroll, one system for onboarding, one system for performance management, one system for time management rostering, but you would not really find one complete beautiful system where you just log in once, you put in the data once, and then it flows across all the different subcategories and makes life simply so much easier for you and for your employees. And the way how we're gonna sell it is we want to hand it out completely for free and why you hear that completely free correct right where's the catch there's no catch but we're very transparent about how we make money we make money on superannuation how do we make money on superannuation 80 percent of australians when they join an employer they sign up not even thinking about you know to their default company super fund and uh, if you think about that, you know, when you then retire, you're 65 and you probably wonder about, well, how, why didn't, don't I have a bigger, a bigger uh, amount in my super than uh, maybe my neighbor has? And it comes down exactly to these choices that you make when you're 25, 30, 35, when you completely treat this uh, second biggest asset after a house as something that it uh, as it shouldn't be treated right and what we want to do is we really want to add complete transparency to that mm. so if you sign up you don't just default to a company super fund but we provide the options you know to have all the super funds or many many super funds completely available transparent fees transparent returns and you make the choice which one is best for you and yeah. once you make the choice we completely transparently get a fee on that and that's the business model so we're solving a huge hr problem mm. where we hand out what we not only believe, but had feedback is a is a great system that makes life so much easier for HR managers and for employees. That is simple and nice and beautiful, and uh, we make money on uh, some of the financial services that then are being delivered with that. So not only uh, one the HR uh, platform that provides a great service. What I really love, I guess, it's the bigger why here is really pushing personal responsibility onto the individual about their financial well-being, their financial health, Correct. their family security further down the track. Um, so it's not just a default decision as such. Correct, right? It's, it's if you, I mean, if you again think through in terms of financial literacy across mm. Australia and, and uh, you probably asked the question to a thousand employees, how many would know where is the super and what's been the return of their fund and what are the fees? I wonder how many 
answers you'd get, right? And that's exactly uh, what we're trying to change. Yeah, excellent, fantastic. So and I see that as very much a, uh, a great service to Australians and a great piece of leadership again. So um, I wish you all the best with that. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Uh, I will leave some details uh, on our site if you want to get in touch with uh, Jan about that service down the track. But just coming back to Hilti now, I guess any final words on... Um, you know, we, we have some senior leaders that are listening and we have some up-and-coming leaders. Any final words on you know what it takes uh, from your perspective to, to lead and to really enjoy it? Look, I think you've got to define your own journey. Right. What I think what's, what's probably the best advice that I was given and that I'm happy to share is if you find something what on one hand you're passionate about, but on the other hand what you're good at. So if you find an activity, a field, a role, or, or simply an employer or a company that on one hand you're very, very passionate about, and on the other hand it fits, it matches your talents, that's the ultimate luxury. Yeah. Right, because if you do something that you like and enjoy, but at the same time you're really good at it, I think you'll never ever gonna have mm. a feeling that you work too hard because yeah. you just uh, love just what love you it. do. You just love what you do, and uh, you won't be able to escape success. We often talk about people give uh, pep talks. You know, give them a pep talk. <laughs> Our concept is give yourself a bep talk. B E P, and the B is what are you best at? That's your skills. Uh, the P is passion, which you've talked about, but the E stands for economic, and that uh-huh. is what's the thing that's going to give yeah. you the lifestyle that you deserve that's right. and want. That's some right. some people nice. have different. Um, so uh, on that, thank you for two things: that, that final BEP talk that you've given us <laughs> about what it takes, but more than that, the PEP talk that you've given. It's been great to hear about everything you've accomplished here, and I know it hasn't just been you. It's been a, an engaged, uh, capable. Uh, motivated uh, absolutely, team at every, absolutely, every level, absolutely, absolutely. and uh, and 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 for the, uh, the the beacon of possibilities that you're shining on out there for a lot of Australian businesses for us to, to live up to. So I appreciate your time and and wish you all the best in your new role. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks so much for the interview and uh, wishing all our readers all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't it just great to know that there are leaders out there like Yarn? making such a difference to people's lives. You can hear the passion in his voice for people coming through and how he's turned that passion into stunning organisational results. Part of that, of course, is his own credibility and his incredible visionary leadership skills. And because of that, of course, Jan has shared with us that he's now fully engaged with a new venture called Flair HR, which is a brilliant resource for onboarding people and then managing their, their journey right through the course of their careers. But, but differently or very, very uniquely, along with that career guidance and systems, is able to give people financial advice and on superannuation insurance advice that they would never have been privy to before. Um, his contact details are below and I'd, I would really encourage you to, uh, to have a conversation with him or Flair and explore how uh, Flair HR could impact your own organisational engagement, particularly knowing his background and his success in this area. So, again, thanks for listening to Enterprise Radio. It's uh, one of a number of resources we provide to, to help you really build the human enterprise in, in your business, um, giving you, like Jan has given us, power to the people. So until next time, find the passion, develop the skills, make the numbers, and make a difference.